Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Bread. We are in the depths of despair right now in crypto. Uh, it's just it's just sucked trading the last week or two. Um, you know, I've I've been putting out less content because unfortunately it's just like, you know, I want to make videos, but it's like, man. I don't have updates for you guys because the I feel like the last two or three episodes I've said mostly the same thing in terms of like, hey, here's the range we're in. And until we go either to the upside or downside, I don't think you should be trading too much. And unfortunately, this this like range, this area that we've been in, we, we were in like the 23s for a while. And now we're kind of in the 21s now at the time of recording this. I'm recording this Wednesday evening uh, just for reference. Um, it's just, it's just sucked. It's just sucked. But uh, nonetheless, I do have some updates for you guys uh, as far as trading goes and then other, you know, uh, coins that I'm watching and kind of my thesis going into, okay, once we get out of this, this period of uncertainty, right, because we have so much, you know, we have a lot of FUD going on right now, frankly, I mean, you've got what, what's the list you've got the Silvergate bankruptcy that was happening this week. Uh, you've got Mt. Gox rumors of you know selling off or, or distributing all of the the coins from the Mt. Gox uh, seizure essentially that's been looming for years and look like it's finally going to happen at some point in the next few months possibly it's not exactly clear when it's going to happen and then you've obviously got ETH Shanghai coming within the next month or so uh, which is going to unlock a ton of ETH so that's potentially a bearish catalyst uh, and then on top of that you've got voyager currently liquidating all of their assets i mean you just have like all these things on top of you know regulatory fraud that we've dealt with and then on top of that this week you know you had uh, uh powell come out and say he's they're not sure if they may possibly raise rates a little more than they thought after earlier this year saying maybe they're not going to raise them as much but a lot again it's just a lot of indecision uncertainty on so many fronts right now and the price action is is reflecting it frankly uh, but that's okay i mean listen you don't always have to be in the action and that's frankly that's kind of the hardest part about trading especially when you when you do it like full time and you're always in the markets it's like you know the hard part is you just got to know when to not do anything you got to know when to sit on your hands and just chill out and um because you feel like, you know, part of you feels like I need to be doing something all the time. And obviously, it depends on your trading style. Uh, you know, if you're a scalper, you know, you can you can trade more intraday. But even scalping, frankly, I mean, I mean, there's been so little volatility. It's just, it's sucked. It's 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 frankly sucked. Um, so I don't know many traders that are having a great time right now in these last couple of weeks. But it is what it is. You're not always going to have great environment. Obviously, the first whatever, maybe four or five weeks of the year were really, really good. Uh, you know, if you were positioned long going into the year, uh, and then, you know, you had some opportunities to short, but then now in the last few weeks, last two weeks, I would say there were some decent short opportunities here and there. I punted some longs on some alts here and there, but nothing major. Um, but yeah, I mean, the hard part is just, you know, you got to know when to do nothing. Um, it's funny because I used to joke, I used to joke about uh, starting a paid group where I would, uh, instead of, you know, telling people when to buy and what to buy, I would just my own, the only thing I would do in the paid group is tell people when they should do nothing, when they should not do anything. And, you know, I, I, I would joke about it, but it's kind of half like true in the sense that that's 
almost just as valuable. I don't think people have a hard time, you know, getting bullish and finding things that they want to buy and finding good projects, right? That's kind of the easy part, right? That's like the, that's like everybody who gets into crypto finds stuff that they like and, and starts trading things that they like. Uh, the hard part is knowing when to take a step back and not trade anything for a while. And that's kind of the moment that we're in. It's just not really super EV positive to to trade right now. Um, and, and I've said before, the range I'm looking at is the, you know, you've got the bigger range between the high end 25K, the low end uh, towards 18K. I personally am not sure we're going to get all the way to 18K. I think that the CME gap that I identified uh, to you guys last week or last time was the main target I'm looking at, which is kind of from like 19.9, 20K up to about 20.5K. So that kind of area right there is where I personally plan on um, um, bidding quite a bit. And I think there's a good chance that once we fill that gap, that will be the main, there's a chance that could be the bottom, in my opinion, a decent chance. Uh, we're at about, we touched 21.5 uh, Wednesday night at the time of recording this. We're back to like 21.7 right now, but honestly, this bounce has been pretty weak. And that's the thing that's made me not want to buy anything, right? If we, it, you know, if we've had these bounces, or I'm sorry, these dumps, and then we had some type of strong bounce back, then I would be more interested. But frankly, the fact that we have these big dips only to trade sideways for a while and then go down again, that's not the type of price action that is going to make you think that it's time to buy, right? That's the type of price action that tells you, okay, we're not going down, done going down yet. We need to bleed out more. And I think that's abundantly clear. The the, the invalidation would be if we can clear over 23 to 24K again. Um, but frankly, I just don't really know if we have the juice. Like we could get a scam bounce up there, but I think we would reject that, um, honestly. I, I just think we need to fill that CME gap towards 20K. I'm pretty convinced of it at this point. I, I just don't see another way that um, I, I guess I guess the alternative would be if you had some type of major bullish catalyst. Um, we do have CPI next week. I'll get into that when I get into uh, the week looking forward in a little bit. So we have CPI next week. I guess if we were to have a great CPI number, that could be some type of catalyst. Um, but that's about all I could see at the moment that would really drive a lot of bullish momentum. Um, and you see equities too. You know, equities have been selling off. Uh, after having their rally and they kind of look like if you're looking on like the daily they're making lower highs um, and kind of establishing a range themselves so overall i think you just have to accept that we are in this high time frame range and at the moment we've just been in the mid range going down and i think that i'm more bearish biased towards that 20k area uh possibly 18k i know a lot of people are calling 18k Personally, I think that I'm not saying we can't. Obviously, of course we could. Um, it's all it's all probabilities. But I think that if we were to fill that CME gap and go to like the high 19s, I think there's gonna be a lot of demand in that area, um, and I think that we will catch a real bid there, and that could very well be the bottom. Especially because you know I've been around crypto long enough to know that whenever everybody is calling for a certain spot to be the top or the bottom or whatever. It typically isn't that, and it typically gets front run. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. But you just have to play these probabilities. But I think the levels are pretty clear. And so until that happens, nothing changes. And so, again, it's like this is a practice in patience. This is a practice in, uh, you know, 
sitting on your hands when when you should and and the hardest part is like I mean, I pretty much sold the top um, after we rejected 25K for like the second or third time that we did it. You know, I came on here. I told you guys, I tweeted. I was like, hey, guys, I'm flat. I'm not I'm not in the market. Uh, I didn't flip short because I'm not in, in this type of environment. I'm not a big shorter, um, especially when uh, if you if you're not shorting the first move, I think the first big move that we had down was a good one. Um, but at the moment, we're in off the highs and we're kind of in a mid range. So there's been some decent alt shorts. Um, I just, you know, I was much more interested in shorting last year when you had a clear, like huge, you know, bull bull cycle uh, before that. And then you had a clear downtrend that was gonna continue. Now, I don't think that we're in a massive downtrend. I just think that we're, we're in, a, in a pullback from the, the rally that we had. So anyways, um, not to say that you can't short. I just, I, I personally am not as into shorting when we're like in the 20s. Like when we're talking about BTC in like the 20K teens area, it's much less interesting for me to get short than it was last year when we were, you know, going down through the 40Ks and 30Ks, right? So it's just not as, not as much money to be made there. I'd rather focus my time um, researching altcoins and small caps that I, want to buy for when I think the bottom is probably in that I can buy and, and get those maximized returns, right? Because it's just much easier. I mean, frankly, crypto, um, you can make money short. I'm not saying you can't, but most people who get rich in crypto, they get rich from longing things that do multiples, right? It's not so much from from shorting things, except for a few, you know, exceptional traders here and there. Uh, so that's that's what I've been spending my time doing is just researching uh, coins and kind of developing thesis a thesis for uh, when we do find a bottom somewhere, the coins I want to buy and build positions in to just hold for the you know foreseeable future. It could be next few months, potentially longer than that. So. Anyways, um, speaking of shorters, by the way, uh, I don't know how many of you saw this that followed me on Twitter, but I gotten I got in my first like real Twitter beef with uh, Trader XO and Trader SZ. They both these the two the two British boys uh, came after me on Twitter uh, last week. Honestly, I didn't know. I'll, I'll give you a backstory if you don't, if you didn't see this, but, uh, I'll put the, the tweets on the screen. I didn't know what happened because, uh, I was asleep when they tweeted about me and I didn't wake up for another like half hour, hour until, till I saw it. So I woke up and my Twitter mentions were like flooded with, uh, a bunch of people like attacking me and then a bunch of people defending me and people tweeting things about me. And I was like, what is going on? And it took me a minute to figure out because I got tweeted about by XO and SZ, but SZ uh, blocked me. So he quote tweeted one of my tweets, but then blocked me. So I could only see people who were adding me, but I couldn't see the original tweet. I had to go on a alt account to see what the hell was going on. And then uh, Trader XO also tweeted something because uh, basically when XO, to give the, the full backstory, I should back up a further second. Um, Trader XO, he tweeted um, a screenshot of one of my tweets uh, and he put it on the, on, the, on, the, on the chart, basically calling me a, a top signal, which 
We'll get into that in a second. I called the top. Okay, first of all, I was out. I tweeted that I was flat uh, in the 25K area. So it wasn't a top signal. I was making fun of SZ because I had tweeted a week prior that he was gloating about shorting on the Saturday scam dump about shorting the top. And I was like, bears love i said something like bears love to uh gloat about shorting a saturday scam dump after being bearish all the way up which is true because you know the thing that trader xo doesn't tell you and trader sz doesn't tell you is and i and i encourage everyone everyone listening to this or watching this go put them on notifications on twitter for a little bit and see how many times they tweet things especially in the last obviously you know now you're not gonna be able to see it but in the whole month of january that they were tweeting that they were short 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 scam rally scam rally scam rally all the way up and then just deleting the tweets constantly over and over after they were wrong, okay? I witnessed this many, many times only for them to come and gloat about shorting the top. And it's like, okay, so you shorted 25K after being wrong at 23K and 21K and 19K, right? It's no different than the bull who claims they bought the bottom when they bought the bottom at 40K and 30K and 20K. They're the same thing. They're just the opposite, you know? And so very hypocritical. But I just thought it was funny because I, I had tweeted that like, I think 10 days before or something like that. And then he he got so upset, it got under his skin so much that he had screenshotted it and waited for the perfect moment, perfect moment to then try to dunk on me and call me a clown. It's cool, it's cool, buddy. Thank you so much. You know, the thing is, and it's funny because he, he said something like, uh, make sure to follow David because he's a good counter trade. And I was like, yeah, no, you're right, go ahead. Follow me, counter trade me because I'm the one who publicly called the bottom while you shorted it, you fucking moron, okay? And I don't delete my tweets. I'm not a little coward like you, okay? You can go through my timeline. You can see all my else. I don't I don't delete my else, okay? I'm not ashamed because I'm not some LARP trader like you who likes to pretend that I'm perfect and I never miss and I'm some gigabrain British genius. Okay, no, I make mistakes. I make bad trades all the time. You can go on my timeline. I don't delete that shit. You can go and look. In fact, I'll even dunk on myself sometimes because I'll tweet something and then that'll literally be like the time the market turns around, right? So I don't care. I don't have a little fragile ego like you that I need to save some tweet. By the way, the funniest part is like, I got like hundreds of followers that morning from uh, XO and SZ tweeting this, which is the funniest part. So thank you for the for the free clout. Um, and the fact that like, I have like 6K followers on Twitter. He has like, I don't even, I didn't even realize how many followers as XO had. I think he has like 300,000 or something like that. That's like insane. So the fact that like someone who's like almost a hundred times bigger than me in followers, I got under their skin so much is, is pretty funny. Um, but anyways, they're they're basically and, and the thing is, again, it's it's not like he even got me. He proved my point, right? Because he went and bragged about shorting the top. And my tweet was literally saying, Bears will brag about shorting the top after being short the whole rally up. And it's like, what would you rather get? The small short move down or the whole rally up where you had alts that went up three, four, five hundred percent in like a month? It's like, you literally proved my point, okay? And I don't know, it was just funny. And it's funny because then you get all these little fanboy followers who come in my replies and start saying all this stuff. But I will say, I got a lot of you defending me. I appreciate it. I know who you are. I saw your tweets. I appreciate the support. Thank you very much. 
And uh, I don't know. It's just funny to me. It's just funny to me. I was having a good laugh. I called my friend and we were all laughing about it. But, uh, you know, it's it's funny, too, because it's like, I don't know. Have you ever, ever seen their videos? I, they're so boring. Like the thing with one of the reasons why I started doing crypto, like YouTube and podcasts is because like everyone is so boring dude all these podcasts and these traders i mean have you ever seen like xo and sz this is every video you don't need to watch it you do not this is a summary right here it's oi mate we're in a bloody range okay here's the top Here's the bottom. You draw a line where the bloody top of the ranges. You draw a line where the bloody bottom is the ranges, and then you short it or you long it. Okay. And by the way, I never long. I only go short because oh, this crypto industry is a scam. Everything's a scam. You're all idiots for going long. I don't like making money on the way up, which is the easiest way to make money in crypto. I like to brag about being short because I'm so bloody smart. That's every fucking trader XO and SZ video. Look, go watch their videos tell me if i'm wrong every week it's the same thing over and over and over it's it's easy a moron could do it okay and they have no personality no pizzazz they're boring as hell it's like man i don't know anyways anyways i'm talking shit it's funny too because it's like it's like xo i had i tweeted nothing about sz at all okay Never mentioned him, but he had to come on with his little butt buddy. It's funny that they have like these two syllable or these two letter word uh, names too. It's like Trader SZ, Trader XO, fucking touching tips over there. Do you think they have like a little chat with like, oi, this guy fucking talks shit about me. I'm going to go blah, 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 blah. And, and Trader SZ, don't get me started on this little manlet, okay? It's funny because one of his shticks on Twitter is he likes to go on women on like, you know, OnlyFans girls and stuff on Twitter and like, you know, insult them and say whatever. And listen, I'm not I'm not a big fan of, you know, uh, OnlyFans girls either, but it's just funny to me that he's like always like insulting women on Twitter. This guy is a like 5'2 little manlet Indian British Panjit, okay? If you've ever seen what he looks like. These women wouldn't pay him the time of day in real life and so he gets on twitter and says oi bitch get back in the kitchen you know that type of shit that's the type of stuff he tweets it's it's hilarious but anyways little little five two ponji telling all these women oi get back in the kitchen it's like bro she wouldn't look at you for two seconds if she saw you in real life okay so chill out all right but Anyways, I digress. It's good, you know. I got all these followers. It's funny. They're followers. They they added me to these uh, these lists. You know, you can create lists on Twitter, and they're like, the names of the list are counter trades and top signal and all that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, counter trade me because guess what? If you were following me, you would have bought the bottom. Unlike following them, these guys have never caught a bottom in their life. Except for except for maybe each other's. Okay, all right. That's a little thought. That's a little. All right. We're gonna, who do you think's the bottom with SO and XZ when they get together? These little little boyfriends. Who do you think's the bottom? SZ's 100% the bottom, you know? He's smaller than most women anyway, so it would only make sense. All right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with these little British, these little British traders. I'm a cynical British man. That's my shtick. I'm so, I'm so smart. I short the top. Oh, you buying the scams? It's like, yeah, bro. We're here to make money. I don't care if it's a scam, pomp, a fake rally. These are the same guys who were talking about, they're spoofing the orders, the Binance cartel. It's like, shut up. Spoof my fucking bank account. I don't give a shit. Just trade the market. Trade what the market is giving you. 
okay? Stop trying to be some smart guy. You know, everybody who tries to be smart in crypto makes no money, okay? Uh, trust me, I used to be that guy. I used to try to be the genius gigabrain. No, I'm not interested. I don't want to be smart. I want to be dumb. I want to be dumb and long from the bottom. It's so much better. Stop trying to be smart. Stop trying to be some cool, cynical guy. Who cares? We're here to make money, not to like impress people on Twitter, okay? Anyways, moving on, moving on. Um, what do we have next? Uh, week looking forward. Um, okay, so on Friday, uh, end of this week, we have unemployment in the U.S. Uh, depending on, the, I, I, I think that the expected is 3.4%, and it seems like uh, predictions are saying that that probably will be what it is. No one's really expecting a shock on that. Um, if it were higher than expected, that would probably be good. Um, because that's one of the things that the Fed is trying to do a little bit is actually increase the unemployment to reduce inflation. But more importantly is CPI next Tuesday. Uh, I don't anticipate a ton of market movement until then. Uh, or at least, again, if we do, probably just choppiness. Um, I, I think there's really two scenarios. Either one, we just continue to kind of chop downward. Uh, or we could potentially get a weakened scam pump. But I doubt it because going into CPI, I don't really think that's going to happen. I think we're just going to have a boring next few days, quite frankly. Um, it, it, I, I just, I wouldn't be positioning long here, honestly. I it, I have some small longs, some small alt bags, but I'm really getting ready to position lower. And I think just going into CPI, I mean, we've seen it all year, uh, going into CPI, pretty much nothing happens, right? We just chop going into it and then we have the reaction afterwards. Um, now, obviously, this is a big CPI because a lot of people are kind of spooked that we may have, after coming down in inflation, may have a bit of a move back up in inflation. Um, so this is the first one that people are worried we may come in hot uh, for real. So if we were to come in lower or at least at expectations, I do expect that to be somewhat bullish uh, because at the very least, it will remove a lot of uncertainty and a lot of fear that's kind of being priced into the markets right now. So until next Tuesday, I don't think a whole lot's going to happen. Um, I wouldn't really position long or short going into it, frankly, because I don't know what it's going to be. And I think trying to predict like CPI numbers and stuff, if you're not some, even the macro experts get this wrong. So I'm certainly not a macro expert. I'm not going to try to predict it. Um, I'm more just going to react to whatever happens. Um, I, I, I would just play cool until then. Again, it's just like it is unfortunately, it's just kind of sit on your hands and wait season. You know, we we have op, we're going to have opportunities to get some really, really good long positioning in. But we've just got to be patient. And that's like the hardest thing. Just be patient. Don't let them, you know, bait you into longing. Just be patient until the right time. So that's basically the plan going into CPI and going into next week. Let's get into the news uh, that happened. Uh, lots of negative news, like I said, all the bad stuff, the Silvergate bankruptcy, the Mountain Gox, and all that stuff. I think we're well aware. The main things looming over us still are the Mount Gox, unknown when that's going to happen, and then the Shanghai upgrade on Ethereum. You know, there's there's controversy back and forth of is Shanghai bullish, is Shanghai bearish. You know, I maintain that Shanghai is long-term bullish, uh, short-term um potentially bearish. I'm, I, I don't really like to take 
a strong position on short-term price action of big events like this because it's too unpredictable and i think that it's not it's not smart to try to predict what's going to happen it's just much better to react to it um and and honestly most of the time you just have time to react to these things because you won't know with shanghai because of the way the ETH unlocks are going to work. It's not like it's all going to unlock at once. It's going to happen over the course of days and weeks after that. So I'm mostly planning on just seeing what happens on the Shanghai upgrade and kind of waiting for the following days and potentially week to see how many of the unlockers are selling off their ETH uh, versus keeping it. And I think that will give us an idea of what type of selling we can expect uh, over the long term with ETH. And so, yeah, I mean, those are kind of the main things that are kind of on the negative side. On the positive side, we did have one big thing. Uh, Amazon announced that they are launching an NFT marketplace, uh, which is interesting because NFTs are not, you know, hot right now at all. In fact, volume is pretty dead outside of just, uh, you know, blur activity right now. So it's interesting to see that uh, NFTs are popping off in terms of companies still having interest in them. Uh, now, Amazon didn't say who they're going to work with uh, or if they're going to work with anybody in terms of their NFT marketplace. They said that it will uh, not be EVM and probably be, I think it's going to be some type of private thing. Now, are they going to work with some type of existing infrastructure and create a private blockchain or just create their own? I don't know. There's speculation it could be Avalanche. Obviously, you've got stuff like Quant and other, you know, you had Flow. There's there's potential uh, options for them, but it's all speculation as to who it could be, if it's anybody. Uh, but it won't be an EVM NFT uh, marketplace that they did say. Um, but that is bullish overall because at least it's like, okay, these guys are planning on building NFTs for the long run. This isn't just some NFTs are hot, let's launch something, right? Because NFTs haven't been hot in a while. So that means that Amazon sees some type of future for having an NFT marketplace. Um, and then you also had Coinbase launched uh, kind of quietly this thing called Wallet as a Service that essentially lets any uh, basically application to create wallets for their users uh, without them needing to set one up themselves. Um, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I liked, I, I think it's, I think it's a cool service. Uh, by the way, I got to say this. Um, I just, I just remember too, the, the Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase, he tweeted this picture today. I'll put the, I'll put the tweet on screen. Um, but it was essentially, he had a, a dinner with a bunch of different, um, you know, crypto DeFi founders. I think uh, Stanny was there from Ave, uh, Robert Leshner, the founder of Compound, uh, Fred Ashram from Paradigm, and a few other people were there. They were having a uh, like a little roundtable dinner. And you know, today apparently is International Women's Day, and so he posts this picture of a bunch of guys at a table, and of course, all and he's just you know. Brian Armstrong does not keep track of these stupid days that we have all of a sudden that now all of a sudden in the last few years, we have all these random new days that have come up that we're supposed to know and care about, right? He doesn't know any of these things. And people got upset saying, oh, how could you post this on International Women's Day? Why are there no women at the table? And it's like the poor guy just set up a dinner with a few pals okay in the crypto industry and said hey let's get together and just have dinner and drinks and then he gets flamed for it by all these losers on twitter and it's like 
God, these people are so insufferable, you know, and it's like the thing with International Women's Day and all these days is they're all fake, you know, and you know how I know they're fake? I mean, one, because they're like brand new and just came in the last few years, but like this is a little inside baseball for everybody out there of how these days even come about. These are all just like marketing department and PR ploys uh, to generate like some type of uh, promotion or activity that they can they can basically sell products around. Okay, because if you know anything about marketing, and I'm telling you this as a as a former former marketeer, okay, uh, before I was in crypto, is that you know, marketing is kind of hard and you always have to come with new fresh ideas for new campaigns and all this type of stuff. And one of the easiest things to do, and you see this with all types of, you've seen this forever, is like base your marketing around some type of event that's happening or, or some type of, uh, you know, day, right? That's why you see all these President's Day sale, Memorial Day sale, blah, 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 you know, holiday season, whatever, right? Toyota Holiday Thon or whatever they call it, Toyota Thon, right? You see all this stuff around like holidays and stuff. It's just one of the easiest marketing things to do. Well, a few years ago, all these marketing people kind of had the idea of like, oh, what if we started like making like days, you know, and nobody's really going to stop you. It doesn't really mean anything. And so they started like making up random days. It's apple pie day. It's chocolate chip cookie day. And then they started expanding into all these things. And something like an international women's day is a great marketing ploy, right? Because all the the female-based product companies can do campaigns around it. And then the thing is that once this started working, uh, all of the like nonprofits and stuff started marketing around it too. And so you have all these nonprofits, like in the case of an International Women's Day, you can have some type of female fund, what I don't know, whatever, some type of nonprofit charity organization that supports women in some way. They can do marketing around it and raise a bunch of money from donations for International Women's Day. And you see all these big corporations doing their International Women's Day social media posts and marketing campaigns. And then on top of that, you have the news and media who, you know, they also are kind of starving for content all the time. It's a 24-7 news cycle. And so they need something to talk about. And so they're happy to laugh on to anything that people will make up to talk about and so that's how these like things start and then it worked and they just kept doing it for for you know years now and so that's how all these things come up but they're all just fake marketing ploys it's kind of similar to like valentine's day right how valentine's day is basically a marketing ploy that's kind of like a more famous one that people say yeah it's it's mostly marketing um and, and all these things are all these things are they're just made up they're just made by pr departments and marketing departments at big corporations who want to sell you things and promote things and then you know it goes into the media cycle and all of that so the point is that all this shit is fake and people are roasting brian armstrong for not having women at the dinner table and posting this on a on international women's day a fake holiday it's like give me a break and and you know i'm getting in a little trouble for saying this but frankly why don't you earn your seat at the table? You know, like all these women who come into crypto, the thing is with crypto, first of all, most women don't care about crypto. Let me tell you, 
Let me tell you, boys, as I'm sure you know, the fastest way to get a girl to completely lose interest and get bored with you is if in conversation with her, you bring up crypto, right? It's even a running joke in the, joke in the crypto community that like, you don't talk to people outside of crypto about crypto, okay? Especially women, okay? They couldn't care less. Most of them will make fun of you for being in crypto, right? That's, that's a fact. And then on top of that, frankly, Women kind of only showed up in crypto in the last few years, okay? Can we just call it what it is? There weren't any women, uh, or, okay, I should say, there were very few women in crypto like five, six, seven years ago when all of these guys who are at the table that Brian Armstrong is with were building, okay? Crypto was made mostly by dudes. There are some women, there are some women in crypto who have been here for a while. And by the way, most of the women who have been in crypto for a while, they're based and they hate the women who are cringe like this and say, oh, we need to be more inclusive and you need to put women uh, with a seat at the table, all that bullshit, right? It's like, shut up, okay? Earn your seat at the table. Why? I don't know if you noticed, but there's not any major crypto uh, or, you know, company or protocol that was founded by a woman, okay? Why? Because up until basically 2021 in the Web3 era, there were almost no women in crypto. It's just what it is, because crypto was like this nerdy thing that no one cared about, you know? I mean, years ago, crypto was like, we, we you can go and see these like crypto conferences. It's a bunch of like sweaty, nerdy looking dudes. Crypto was not cool at all, okay? And this is always the same with like new technology. It's like, you know, early internet days, it was all nerds. Early like video games, it was only dudes who were nerds, okay? And it's like, then things get bigger and more popular and mass adoption and more money and more people come in okay that's just the way it works but it's so funny to me because it's like it's like I, I you know i'm like i couldn't imagine as a guy who came into crypto being like oh i know i just got here in the last few years but and you guys did all this work when nobody cared and frankly people like made fun of you and you took all these risks okay to build what we have today but i deserve a seat a seat at the table for what for nothing. I didn't do anything, but I deserve a seat at the table, okay? You need to include me, right? Guys, I would never think to do that, but women will come in and say, why are there no women in crypto? Why is there no in inclusivity? And it's like, because you guys didn't care about this until two seconds ago, okay? And women were not interested in crypto up until the very, very recent past, okay? And that's just the truth. And it's like the fact, and again, I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this. I don't really give a shit. It's just the truth. You can get mad, but you know it's true. And, and it's so funny because like these women, the, what, do the, what do women do? What's the first thing that women do? They come in. They come in and instead of like saying, oh, this is so cool, this is this new industry, I'm gonna like contribute to it. What do they do? They're like, I'm gonna build an inclusivity DAO. I'm gonna build a women in, hashtag women in web three DAO. It's like, what? Who cares? Go build something that Matt, you want women in web three, go like be a woman in web three who builds something meaningful and like contributes. That's not just some type of diversity, inclusion, whatever bullshit. Okay. And crypto is not the only place this happens. This basically has happened in like 
every single industry. It's just crypto is is feeling it a lot more now because it's happening now, whereas in other industries it happened in the past. But I just I think it's so funny that it's like like oh we need to be included. Where's our seat at the table? It's like you didn't want a seat at the table five years ago. You couldn't care less about crypto five years ago. You thought it was for loser nerds. But now that there's all this money and it's like cool and mainstream, now you want to be invited. Now you want to be a part of it. Okay, well you got to earn your seat, honey. Just like everybody else. Okay, so that's my little rant. Brian Armstrong, I got you, homie. Don't sweat it. Keep having your dinners with the bros. Okay. And guess what? If there's a woman founder who builds some sick shit, then she can be invited. It's no problem, okay? It's not exclusionary, but it's not that you just automatically get to have all the fruits of all the dudes' labor who were here when you couldn't give a shit about crypto, okay? Sorry, I'm gonna get in trouble for that. I don't give a fuck. It is what it is. It's true. It's true, and you know it's true, okay? It's true. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, wrap this up with Coin Talk, our final segment. Um, I don't have a ton of new coins, uh, but the thesis I've been building, and uh, this is a thesis some of my friends and I have been been talking about. I'm I'm becoming a perp dex maxi. Okay, uh, I just think these on chain perp dexes are sick. I think that they are only going to grow in market share. And I think that you need to be kind of imagining what they could be in the years to come. Because I think one of the things that is a major problem for a lot of people in crypto right now is that after a year plus of like basically down only, uh, we've gotten very jaded and forgotten what it's like when crypto runs, okay? And I was talking about this earlier in January when we had our rally, but I mean it also on like the one to two, three year scale of like, it's easy to forget the types of like market caps and size a lot of these projects can get to, you know? Um, a good example I like to bring up is like a lot of the metaverse stuff that was worth billions and billions of dollars with no product at all in the last cycle. Or, you know, Uniswap I think peaked out at like 20 billion or something. Um, you know, you had these crazy valuations on a lot of these projects that we forget were so big at one point. And a lot of these perp dexes are like in the tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars. And it's very easy to see some of these projects that have rallied hard and been like, oh, that thing's up like two, three X in the last like month or two. I missed it. You know, I'm not going to buy it. And it's like, yeah, man, but this, you know, a lot of these things like, and I'll give you my, my main list right now is uh, I call it the GLVK index. Okay. This is my, my, I'm coining this term GLVK. We're pronouncing it Gluck, the Gluck index. You pronounce the V as a U. It didn't work perfectly, but it's, uh, the G can be, it's your choice. This is the beautiful part about the index. You can choose between gains or GMX. That's the G L you've got wait G, yeah l you've got uh level on binance which i talked about last episode uh v you've got vela and then k you've got quenta so those are the ones that i like a lot and uh, i'm building positions in uh, and planning to build more positions in especially if we kind of dump down the thing i like about the perk a lot is that one they're like real products that lots of people in crypto are using and can going to use more going into the future um, you have some semblance of actual like metrics that you can value these things around, right? You can see how much volume they're doing. You can see the type of uh, fees they're generating and all of that. Um, and then on top of that, like I said, the fees, 
you can see that they make money and there's reasons to own the token beyond just speculation, right? Obviously, crypto's specialty is speculation, but it's nice when you have tokens that have built-in uh, reasons to buy them on top of just the speculation because that can really drive the reflexivity going into a bull market. Um, and so I just think we're going to see more than one perp decks be worth multiple billions market cap, right? I think we'll probably see at least two. I think we may see whoever is the top dog. It could be GMX, it could be gains, it could be whoever, be a 10 billion plus market cap, frankly, in the next cycle. And I think that we'll see another one who's like second to them be in the, say, two to five or six billion range, right? And then you have a bunch of them that are worth in the maybe 1 billion to like 500 million to 1 billion, right? And so when I look at stuff like Level, who's already doing more uh, fees than gains and had a day earlier this week where they did more fees than GMX, but they're only at a 20 to 25 mil market cap right now, fluctuating that area. I'm like, this thing is insane value. And yeah, it had a huge run from like 30 cents to like $9. And then it came back to like, like 450-ish. And now it's about seven at the time I'm recording this. Yeah, I had this crazy run, but it's like, it's just getting started. It's still like a 20 mil market cap, you know? And it's like, when we're talking about something that could potentially be a three, four, 500 plus million dollar market cap, that's an insane return. And I think people are just not understanding the potential of a lot of these things. And so we have to remember to think bigger with a lot of these coins. And so that's that's kind of my thesis around the perp taxes, but that applies to a lot of things too. But I, I think that applies to basically everything. Um, it's like, I think this is the year to really like dig in in terms of your research and developing theses for the coming bull cycle, right? Because you, you're going to want to do some short-term trades and all that. Of course, I, I will too. Um, but I think you need to be allocating certain parts of your portfolio to building positions that you're just not going to touch and you're just going to start building them over time, right? Because I know we kind of make fun of HODL a lot, but HODL is dumb when you basically buy and never sell. But HODL is not dumb when you're getting in pretty much around the bottom of the market and building positions for the next bull run to sell them during the bull run, right? Uh, so that's, I, I just think we have to think bigger, especially when we've had like over a year of kind of, you have kind of these, these bear market habits and bull market habits, right? And it's very, very easy to not transition them, right? There are things that are good to do in a bear market that are not as good to do or bad to do going into a bull, right? You don't want to be just only doing quick short-term trades and taking profit on every single little gain that you make, right? Last year, that was the name of the game because you were just trying to get any money that you could out of the market because trying to bet on some type of uptrend was a bad idea. But I think going forward, yeah, we will fluctuate. We will have a crab market, I think, most of the year. But I think going into like Q3, Q4 this year, um, you need to start building positions. And I think, you know, that can start now. It doesn't mean go all in now, uh, but it means it, it's reasonable. I think you'll see a lot of coins right now that we think have already made their run go on to do another 5x through the rest of the year, 10x through the rest of the year. And so I think we need to be paying a lot of attention to these coins and thinking bigger, you know, have more imagination as to where these could go uh, because, and, and I think a good exercise that everyone should do, and I do myself sometimes, is go back 
and look at the market caps of a lot of these things uh, in the previous bull market, see what they got to, uh, and then kind of use that as an imagination of what a lot of the things you're buying now could get to in the next cycle. So um, yeah, I'm going to wrap this up because I'm trying to make these episodes a little shorter. Um, but I honestly kind of ranted a bit today. I didn't really give a whole lot of alpha. I'm sorry. It's just, listen, the alpha is like I said, like, I'm your, your paid group leader, sit on your hands and do nothing right now. Um, speaking of paid group, by the way, the free not paid group uh, will be launching at some point. I don't have a set date. I need to kind of figure things out, but I'm going to do a discord. I've thought more about it. I mentioned this last week. It's going to be free. Nothing like uh, not going to cost any money or anything like that. It's just going to be so that uh, I can share trades in there. You guys can share trades uh, with each other and you guys can like request if you have a coin you want me to look at or a chart you want me to look at all types of stuff like that. Um, we can coordinate all that in the discord um, and we will do that. And, and I'll give like more like day-to-day -day trades, day-to-day -day alpha, um, probably more in-depth write-ups on things, all, all types of stuff like that. Q&As, whatever. Um, just stuff that I can't always do on Twitter or I don't always have time to do like within a podcast. So uh, that's what that will be. That will probably launch within the next month. I'm going to need some time to figure out how I want to do it and set it up and all that. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I got for you guys today. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe if you're not. Uh, like the YouTube video, you know, leave reviews, all that, you know the deal. Anyways, uh, and follow me on Twitter if you don't follow me on Twitter because you can be firsthand. You can witness my Twitter beefs. Okay, I need your, I need your backup on these Twitter beefs. Um, anyways, thanks so much for listening, guys. I will see you next time.